0: Welcome to the Model Railroad Hobbyist Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Paul Gillette. Our guest tonight is Gary Paulino of Traintech, LLC Hobbies. Uh, Gary's been in HO model railroading for about uh, 30 plus years, and he's another New Englander, just like our guest the other night. He lives in the town of Waltham, Mass, and that's on the outskirts of uh, Beantown. Before starting Train Tech uh, in April of 2008, Gary was actually the co owner of another hobby shop in the, uh, the area, but the recession took its uh, toll on uh, his business as it did many others. And so he and his partner at the time reached uh, an agreement, and Gary decided it was best just for him to go out on his own. He started Train Tech, and he said the business has just been booming ever since. The website for the business is www That's all one word: And joining uh, Gary tonight is one of his uh, DCS gurus from the uh, the shop, Phil Greenberg. So welcome to the show, guys.
1: Thank you, Paul. Thanks. Glad, very glad to be here.
0: When we were talking before this. I had mentioned, Gary, that especially on your uh, testimonials on Facebook and on your TrainTech site, I could see that you had customers all over the United States. And then you've mentioned that you actually ship over into Europe. I think you mentioned Australia and some other places. How did you get that kind of a national reputation? What would you do to, you know, expand beyond uh, New England?
1: Well, um, you you're right we do ship all over the world and um it's our business essentially is living proof of the power of the internet um you know we started uh, a website and uh, we also used um eBay as a um as a marketing tool because you've got a worldwide audience there and it's a captive audience because they're all looking for train products okay so we had um, you know we had a little bit of a, a store there in conjunction with um, a website and um, you know a lot of work with um, a couple of internet consultants that helped us with uh, search engine optimization uh, with Google and a number of other um, search engines that are out there and little by little once we started making some contacts in there like in Australia for example um, we hit a guy that was in a club and he, Liked the way uh, things worked uh, for him, and uh, he told some more friends, and lo and behold, we had a little network that just started growing in uh, in Australia, and that's started to to hold through here in the states as well. Okay, you know, we and we've also attended um, the National Train Show, Um, a really big one here on the East Coast is the uh, Amherst Railway Society's Big Railroad Hobby Show every January, Um, they draw over twenty to twenty-two thousand people um over the course of a weekend. Um and that's that's become a very, very major show for a lot of the manufacturers too. So it's taken a lot of a lot of work and uh with the help of a lot of friends and uh you know, like Phil here has been instrumental with uh with some of the marketing as well. So uh, it's been a team effort without a doubt. Okay.
0: Do you guys well, you know, Phil's into the to the large scale and so forth but are you primarily h o or do you do all scales?
1: Um we uh, we serve Z to g. Uh, so we we uh, okay. we serve all all scales. Uh, I will say primarily um, h o was definitely the dominant uh, market that we see. Um, and I think that's kind of that way in the industry.
0: Okay. And when I look over you know the train tech LLC and I you know I just see lot of listings for the DCC-related componentry and so forth, and the only traditional—and I'll call it traditional—is like locomotives. And I think the cars are back on your clearance. Is that something you just don't worry about, or how's that happened?
1: Well, we um, we made the decision when we started Train Tech that. We really wanted to focus primarily on train control, and that was everything from DCC decoders and systems, and MTH DCS and installations. And instead of do, trying to do, you know, an entire product line for every manufacturer, we decided to downsize and focus on the train control and do a few things really well. Okay. And I think I think that is what has worked for us. Um, you know I do this full time, so you know it's not we're not a um, you know a part- time business. The service itself has also um, helped grow the business because we're very fortunate. you know there really isn't many people in this area that do this type of work. And local customers, um, you know they, they like the fact that they can come directly to a shop and if they need advice on an installation or uh, or to have us perform the installation, they, they know they've got some place to go to. And I think that's helped us quite a bit.
0: Okay. So if, if I wanted some of my locomotives done, would I just ship my product to you or could I buy a specific locomotive model through you? How do you work that?
1: What we do uh, with locomotives, Paul, and e- even rolling stock and other accessories as well, is we do special orders, and, and including Walther's. And what we do with the locomotive is as they're announced, we will accept the pre-orders for them. Okay. And, and then once the factories, let's say Atlas, for example, you know, they give you a time period that they will accept factory orders from the dealers. And when the order deadline um, arrives, then we'll close our orders. And then once the orders are shipped from the factory to Atlas to us, we'll send them out. If somebody does come to us after the order deadline has passed, you know, we'll make every effort to try to obtain the locomotive but as anybody who's spent any time in the hobby unfortunately now it's kind of you snooze you lose because they're they're really only making to the order and a lot of times what the factories will do is they'll just round up to the nearest case
0: yes okay
2: so a lot of
1: so uh, so we to to answer your question hopefully that, that that locomotives um are placed orders when they're announced and um instead of stocking them
0: okay now do how does that business break out as far as selling, like decoders, sound decoders, versus the installed. Here, put this in for me. Is what's the split typically on that business?
1: Right now, I would say we're probably sixty percent sales, forty percent service. Okay,
0: that's still a still a good uh, breakout there. I look at my locomotives that have the uh, the eight pin or the nine pin plug, and I go all right, if I were doing non-sound, I could probably handle plugging in that wiring harness. But if it were anything above that with soldering, you know, I'd be knocking on your door. That is just nothing I want to do.
1: And that's where we've been fortunate um, that there are a lot of modelers out there that they just don't feel comfortable. Um, And we try to make it as painless as possible. Uh, You know, we've got customers that they're willing to try, um, but they just don't. Quite know the direction to run, so you know local customers if they want to stop in, um, we can spend some time with them right at the bench and kind of walk them through what they need to do. Out of state folks, obviously, they would um, send things to us, uh-huh. and uh, we've actually even got uh, a few hobby shops on board with us now that they want to offer these services to their customers, but they really don't have the resources or the knowledge to provide that, and uh, we're kind of a behind the scenes service center for uh, for these guys. And a customer can bring it into their local hobby shop, and their shop will mail it up to us, and we'll perform whatever work is requested, and we ship them back, and it works out pretty good.
0: Okay. Well, that's an excellent value-add service for them, and certainly, you know, as a service provider, works out really well for you. We were talking, shifting gears just a little bit, because you guys are an MTH dealer.
1: Yes, we're an MTH dealer as well as an authorized uh, factory service center. Okay.
0: Tell me again about the recent announcement of HO locomotives that MTH is coming out.
1: The um, most recent catalog, the 2010 Volume 2, had a very large number of uh, diesel HO locomotives. Um, including um, F units and Algo FAs and PAs. And, you know, we look at uh, the market and, you know, it's like, God, do we need another F unit? <laughs> yeah, but if if you ever look at his product, yes. um, they are literally museum quality. And if they do these units to the standards that they've had with locomotives that have previously been released, yeah. Um, they're really going to be uh, a real treat to uh, to work with, and and they're also going to be available with their PS3 decoder, which supports analog running, running on NMRA DCC as well as uh, the DCS system by MTH. So you've you've got a decoder that's really versatile in there. Okay. Um, and on the DCC side of their decoder, there are a few a few um, support issues that they're working on. Um, So, what they did do is offer these locomotives as DCC-ready, which means they just have an 8-pin socket in them, so they're very easy to convert.
0: Okay.
1: uh, They'll even have, so if you wanted to put a uh, SoundTracks or a QSI aftermarket decoder, it would be very easy to do if that's your your preference. Um, You know, I know he did the SD70 ACE, um, started coming out about within the last year. And the response to it was amazing. It's, it was one of the fastest selling engines that uh, that I've I've ever had, and the, the detail on it was phenomenal. I mean, all the grills were see through, so they're really uh, they're really doing their homework and they're really putting a lot of effort into it. So I think they're it's going to be a good seller for them.
0: Okay, well, let me ask you: uh, Have you had a chance to do a side by side comparison of the uh, seventy eight from MTH to the Genesis?
1: Um, unfortunately we have not uh, because the, uh, Ace, to the best of my knowledge has not begun shipping yet from Ather. Oh, okay. I know it's, due. I know it's due very, very soon. Um, and the, the pictures that I've seen of it, um, it's going to be another highly detailed model. So okay. it really will be, it really will be fun to put them side by side.
0: Okay. And I, having seen both, uh, The MTH version and then, okay, yeah, pre-production photos on the Genesis version. There's a lot of detail opportunity on a hood. And if I look out there in the market, because you mentioned PAs and FAs. And if I look at a P2K, Alco PA, if I've got see-through grills and I've got cab railing and how, of course, it could be anybody's guess, but if I'm MTH, how am I going to differentiate this? as far as the aesthetics from a guy who's already been established in the market for a decade.
1: Well, uh, you know, obviously I can't speak for, no,
0: no, I'm just asking your opinion.
1: My, uh, my opinion is, um, I think they're going to give these other manufacturers a run for their money. Okay. Um, I think what they're also, I think what they're also probably counting on is the sound system that comes stock in those, and this is with the PS3 decoder in, okay, versus the, the DCC ready locomotive without anything. You know, they've got the timing. Uh, perfectly tuned with the um the flywheel and motor mechanism so to to the revving of the motor um, on their steam locomotives you know they have the exact you know one quarter revolution you get a chuff so you'll get four revolution four chuffs per revolution okay. and they've got puffing smoke and i mean the the realism is just amazing and um they're PA, I believe it is, uh, according to their uh, dealer announcement that we received, um, that's going to have smoke for diesel exhaust.
0: Well, you need that on so, a PA, because uh, the turbo oh lag, yes. those are always belching and <laughs> black smoke. Okay. Uh,
1: so, they're they're putting in a little bit extra effort on on those types of details that I think will help set them apart. But, you know, as far as looking by side by side, yes, the Proto 2000s absolutely are phenomenal detail and they're very good runners as well.
0: All right. Any other uh, trends that you see out there on equipment? I mean, anything else that's on the horizon?
1: Well, we, uh, we actually just received in the door and it's really not necessarily a DCC component uh, per se, but it's by uh, Bacris, which is from up in Canada. And they've had um, some pretty clever gadgets um, on the market for a little bit of time now, uh, one of which is a speedometer. And basically what it is, you set your locomotive on a set of rollers, and one of the rollers is substituted with a, they call it a reader. Mm -hmm. And that particular roller has a wire tail, and you plug that into the console. And what you can do is you can actually measure scale speed and RPM. (laughs) And the scale speed, you would set the scale that you're running in and also the prototype diameter of the wheel. And this was a console with a digital readout, and it was really fabulous as far as trying to help you um, speed-match locomotives, you know. Um, A lot of guys, you know, they might not have the running room to be able to run these locomotives back and forth. Uh, So that was a a very good seller. But since then, um, it's only been on the street for, I think, maybe two weeks now. They just released a. They call it the MTS DCC, and what it is is it's one of those rollers with the uh, the reader cable that comes off of it, and then they have a computer interface that they teamed up with um, Sprague. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they've um, also been in the industry for a while, and they make their own standalone programming unit. Okay. But what they did with this package is this computer interface. You can tie it into your laptop or PC. And with the infamous Decoder Pro software, they also teamed up with. Now what you can have is you'll have your locomotive on the running stand and bring up Decoder Pro, and you can monitor speed and RPM right within the Decoder Pro program. And because it's built in with Decoder Pro, you've got your speed curve screen right up there in front of you. So now you can just move the slide bars up and down and match your locomotives you know, virtually exact without having to even run them on the track
0: wow what's their msrp
1: Uh, i believe the msrp on that was 95 yeah 95 is the msrp on that Um, and like i said that's only been on the street for maybe uh for maybe two weeks
0: well you know for all the time that it can take you to go out there and speed match you know that that may be a good investment of ninety-five bucks when you weigh your time.
1: I think it it definitely be a time saver. So um, we haven't um, had a chance to do too much with the new um, uh, PC-based version, but the older unit that had the console, we've been using it in the shop for quite some time now, and it um, it really it really works pretty well, and it, it it just saves us from having to have your PC. You know, near your test track and running locomotives back and forth in a contest, and making sure you don't get to the end of the test layout too quickly. Okay. And this um, this helps eliminate that because your locomotive is now stationary on a, a fixed set of rollers, and you can do everything sitting in one place. Okay. So that's that's one of the that's one of the latest um, gadgets that's uh, that's hit the street.
0: That's amazing. Now we're going to segue and start talking about some of the decoders and some of the improvement but i want to remind the listeners again especially in this upcoming because there's some video that you can watch so you go to the www.traintechllc.com and if you scroll down the the home page you'll see a link to gary's train tech facebook page and on the facebook page there are a number of videos that he's Uploaded for different scale equipment with some of the work they've done. It illustrates sound. It illustrates light. So if you want to uh, do that as you listen to the, you'll have a good sense of what we're doing. Gary, you had mentioned that roughly you were doing about 60% product, 40% services. Is that pretty even? Because you said you do all the scales. Is that uh, relationship the same for HO, G, for O gauge, or does it vary by scale?
1: HO is definitely the, the primary scale that we work with. Um, And then we're we're doing a lot of G scale lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of guys are uh, converting to sound and a lot of the users are are looking for battery power now, especially those folks that operate here in New England. We don't always have the best uh, climate to maintain nice clean tracks so that you can get your power and DCC signal through there. So by going to battery, That can be used in conjunction with, let's say, um, the Quantum Revolution, which is an aftermarket decoder. And that actually has a radio receiver called a G-Wire that you can plug right into that. And um, NCE has come out with the G G-Wire throttle. So now you have battery power. You don't have to worry about whether your track is clean or not. And then you've got the full capabilities of a DCC decoder via radio control. And that's become a very, very popular um, installation for us lately.
0: Was that in the bigger scales?
1: That's in the G scale. Okay,
0: yes. so no one doing that. No one's miniaturized those circuits yet to be able to do that in HO.
1: Um, there are a couple of companies that are out there um, that escape me at the moment. I have seen uh, them in some of the magazines that are offering smaller scale um, decoders. I don't know if it's going to catch um, quite as as good as it did on the large scale with the G scale because most um, HO guys, you know, tend to migrate to DCC.
0: Okay. All right. But that 60-40 split, that's historical whether you're doing HO or G or any of those. That your business still breaks down about that way?
1: Yes. Okay. That the, the, the 60-40 split is the overall breakdown of the business. The 40%, you know, we certainly could break it down, um, look at by scale. But, I, but without, a, without a doubt, um, HO is the most popular, um, G scale – is um, an up-and-comer for us. And then the other side of the, uh, the house, we do a lot of grades of O-scale, O-gauge, 3-rail with MTH uh, Protosound. Okay. And they have upgrade, upgrade kits that are available for that. And they um, essentially operate... As a decoder would in a DCC locomotive, but you're using their MTH uh, DCS system. And Phil has been instrumental in growing that part of the business. He uh, he and I both went down to MTH last summer and became factory certified as an MTH service center as well as a uh, DCS uh, upgrade kit installer.
0: Okay. Looking at DCC, I, but I read the ads, read the articles, and I recognize names obviously like Digitrax and NCE and so forth. Now I'm familiar with the names like Tsunami, the Quantum that you've mentioned and so Who, in your opinion, for maybe let's just put it relative to your market there, who's the leading suppliers for you?
1: I would say right now, we're, this, this past season, we were running neck and neck with Digitrax and NCE. Okay um inter- interestingly enough and they are, they're both great systems um, there's there's no one perfect system out there that's for sure right. they've all got their you know they've got all got their good points and uh, and points that um you know some may, some users may not uh, be interested in and then i would say behind that would be lens and mrc and that's just based on our sales it has absolutely no bearing on the the quality of any of the systems cuz they're all they're, they're all very good systems
0: I understand it's just My local hobby shop down in Phoenix, he is just overwhelmingly NCE. Now, he's probably skewing that by what he says, but he carries MRC, uh, Digitrax, and NCE. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you get all kinds of flavorings into that mix. You see any new trends out there emerging as far as just basic DCC control and then the sound? As far as, and I guess what I'm asking is new capabilities?
1: Without a doubt, uh, sound in locomotives. Has become the new frontier for the last several years, and you know that's what a large part of our service business is: is installing sound in um, locomotives that were never equipped with it. That um, that actually allows us to have some fun too, because we uh, we get to come up with some of these custom projects. Okay. For example, a lot of uh, a lot of customers are interested in ditch lights uh, per se, and um, the decoders have become so intense as far as offering the end user the ability to customize even how the functions operate. Uh, For example, um, soundtracks and QSI, um, you know, they they both have the ability to make a light look like it's fading up and fading down, much like a a very large incandescent lamp or halogen lamp would on a real locomotive. You know, they don't just turn out if you've ever watched them. And um, QSI takes it up even one step further, uh, you can go in with their software program and you can actually adjust the rate at which that bulb fades up and down. Uh, we've got a video on our um, Facebook page. It's a sd 60 i I think it was, a Conrail. And I took a, a video of those lights coming on and off like that. And it's, um, it's, pretty, it's pretty neat the way you can do that.
0: Okay, I, I have seen that and it's just real. Because like you say, it's a gradual up, it never goes totally dark, and a gradual down on the other side. Do you know which video that is? We'll just let the people go to it. I ended up just watching them all. I was fascinated by it. But if you know which one that is, we'll just, just tell the listeners and they can go look at it. It's an incredible sight.
1: If you're um, on our Facebook page in the video section... On the second page, there the title of it is an athern HO scale SD60I with QSI Quantum Revolution, and that will give anybody an example of how those lights look. I mean, they just look so real. And then uh, you add sound on top of that, and you really all but shrink yourself down and get in the cab of that thing and drive away.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's uh, and,
1: it's
2: and, fascinating. And and I'll tell you what, I, as 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 a person that. Does some of these upgrades on, on a larger scale, and has and assists Gary with taking these videos. I find myself going back to the Facebook page over and over again, <laughs> watching these videos. It's, it's just that, that cool to, to be part of that. Hey, we did that for someone, and now that's running on someone's layout. Yeah. So,
1: well, actually, interestingly enough, that you you mentioned that Philly, um, we had a fella from Arizona and he sent us in an older atherin jeep 9 and he wanted soundtracks put in it um and also a uh, rotating beacon on the roof so we uh, we did the install for him and sent it back to him and i think maybe about a month later i was just cruising through youtube looking for railroad videos and i just happened to stumble across a video of an atherin locomotive and lo and behold in his little description of the video he uh, said that it had the work done by us. That it was really uh, really neat to see it on his layout, um, all all completed and run, running. Because uh, usually, once we ship them out, you know, we never really hear one way or the other. Well, good. Then you yeah. can't, and, and, uh,
0: That's got to be a neat feeling.
2: Yeah, and and one of the other things that, that we've tried to do on some of the more complex projects, you know, that, that that take a little bit more time than the standard install is is we try and put a video up there so that they could see some of the progress. It doesn't happen on every project, but it is, it's is—it's one of those things where, you know, you, your, your wife gets pregnant and you can see how the baby is growing inside, and then, poof, there's the baby. <laughs> and, of course, like Gary said, it, it goes away after a while and you never see it again. But, you know, this way it, it gives them a running dialogue of how their locomotive is progressing as far as this project that, that they've entrusted us with. So it's, it's, it's fun. And, and again, it, we don't do that with, with every locomotive because we just don't have that much time. But the, mo- the more complex projects that come through, we, we try and do that. Just, I think that's a nice touch. So
0: Okay. Let's just dive into that a, a minute. The people who want you to do the install... Uh, What are they buying? I mean, give me a typical scenario where a customer. Are they very specific? Do they go, hey, make it sound nicer? What kind of guidance do they give you?
1: We um, occasionally will get somebody that will come in and knows exactly what he wants, a specific decoder, and use this type of ditch light and so forth. But most of the, the guys that will come in or sh- sh- ship them out to us, They'll just kind of give us um, a wish list, and I'd like to add ditch lights, I'd like to add a rotating beacon um, on some of the steamers. You know, they want smoke or a cab light, and, you know, we can usually accommodate them with just about anything. The only thing that does restrict us on occasion is uh, the physical size of the locomotive there just may not always be enough room to accommodate what they're looking for. But an example is, um, in fact, also I just posted the video the other day on Facebook. It was a Proto Heritage 080, and the customer, in addition to looking for sound, they also wanted a cab light and a smoke unit. So we uh, we had to get into doing some custom work there, Um, and smoke units, they tend to draw a little bit more current than a lot of the a lot of the decoders can put out so what we do is we actually install a relay and we let the decoder switch the relay on and off and then switch the load of the smoke unit through the relay. That way there we're not worrying about overdriving a function output on a decoder. So there are projects like that that sometimes you have to put a little bit of thought into them of how you're, how you're going to do Okay, it.
0: so you might even get into milling out uh, frames to make room for all the circuit boards or to put in speakers and so you do all that work.
1: That's um, that's actually a very big part of uh, a lot of the sound jobs, especially in uh, diesels, is that when these locomotives were made, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, they absolutely had no vision of um, sound being installed. So we have uh, the tools in-house. We have a, um, a milling machine and, and the necessary tools to, to bore out or mill out. To make room for both the decoder and the speaker, and the speaker tends to be more of the problem to fit inside uh, these locomotives. That's one of the most important parts of your install. Is you want to put you know the highest quality and largest speaker that you can fit in there, uh, so that you can get the best sound. Because uh, let's face it, like we were um, you know just discussing the ability to have low end frequencies be um, be heard, and with these smaller speakers that we fit in there, you don't always get that kind of response. So, to get the best benefit out of your installation, you want to put as large a speaker in there as you can, and that's where the milling comes
0: in. Okay. Now, and you know, when we're talking about physics here, about the you know relationship to the speaker, how much air it can pump, and how well it produces frequencies that we can hear. Tell me about how speakers have. Changed. I've seen baffles out there. I've seen things called high bass speakers. Kind of give us an insight into into all that.
1: Well, one of the, the most important aspects of, uh, of a speaker installation, um, as you just indicated, is, is an enclosure. And sound uh, that's emitted from speakers, it operates on air pressure. And a speaker that's just held, held in uh, midair, let's say, and you apply sound to it through the decoder, you're gonna get sound up both sides of that that speaker and they essentially will cancel each other out and the decoder could wind up being inaudible so in order to overcome that if you put an enclosure right behind the speaker now what happens is you build up air pressure in that chamber and it forces all of the sound out the front of the speaker and, and increasing volume immensely and as far as the types of speakers, um, we've started getting into these new high bass speakers um, that have become available on on the market, and although they won't get down to that you know wall pounding bass that you might <laughs> hear on your home stereo, yeah, um, it um, it definitely does add um, a little bit of that low end that we tend to miss in um, in our installations. Um, to, uh, So to compensate for that, interestingly enough, um, Soundtracks has a built-in graphic equalizer in their Tsunami decode. Get
0: out of town. And
1: and by by just adjusting um, some CV values, you can tweak the curve much like you would with an equalizer that you might have on your home stereo. And by doing that, you can kick up the low end. And get a little bit more of that bass that you might hear from an exhaust stack on uh, on some of these locomotives okay, so there's so that it just shows you how technically uh, evolved these decoders have become. You know we can not only control the rate at which a light flashes, but we can also control how uh, some of that sound um, is heard through those tiny little speakers. Unfortunately, not all of these. Uh, decoder manufacturers have these functions um so there's there's no one perfect sound decoder out there just like there's no perfect system out there
0: okay uh so does it ever make sense like we talked about p2k pas a while ago to if you had a powered unit and a and a dummy b unit does it ever make sense to mount the speaker into the trailing dummy
1: absolutely because now you don't have the restrictions that you, uh, you would with the drive. So even if it's got the frame in there, you know, you can cut away or mill away some of the frame and you can fit a pretty good size there, especially uh, modelers that like to display at shows or um, at the club during an open house, you know, it can get kind of noisy. So an instance like that, you can really crank out some sound. Okay.
0: All right. Why don't you give us a rundown of some of the, in your opinion, some of the more capable, uh, decoders out there you keep mentioning quantum you know I've I'm aware of Tsunami so just if you would some of your favorites that you like to use and what they can do
2: well
1: the um, decoders that are becoming the most popular right now are soundtracks and QSI um, but they're also um, a new product by ESU, um, which is called the Loke Sound Select. That is a another sound decoder that's available. And Digitrax has actually uh, been, in, been in the sound business for the last couple of years. And they just released um, a couple of um, very basic sound decoders that also have motor and lighting control. And they're very affordable because they just, you know, they don't have... A lot of the high-end features uh, that you can adjust, for example, like that lighting uh, that we were describing, where you can adjust the fade up and down rate. They're a little more economical because, let's face it, a lot of our modeling do- dollars these days is not always uh, what we like it to be. And. I would say, as far as installation goes, uh, the most popular right now is um, soundtracks, then QSI, and uh, a lot of a lot of the uh, jobs that we get in for installs. Um, usually, the customer kind of has an idea what decoder they would like to put in there, um, so we will get a lot of requests for a specific manufacturer. Uh, whereas a lot of the other facets that gets left to us. My personal favorites are, are, are probably. Um, soundtracks and qsi uh, but that's partly because i i enjoy getting into the abilities to really tweak some of the effects and that's that's actually become more of my hobby i i build track out of necessity of my layout just because i need something for those logos <laughs> to run on
0: i understand that yeah if i <laughs> if i could pay somebody like lance Menheim to come in and do this i'd be a happy boy yeah i just want to set down a locomotive and operate the throttle have you had the opportunity to hear the SoundTracks unit that you don't put sound in the locomotives? You use Digitracks, for instance, has a transponder that reads the position of the locomotive, and it's the sound follows the locomotive out through about six channels. What is that called, and have you had a chance to hear
1: it? That is the soundtracks product uh, called surround surround tracks, and that it's basically just as you described, Paul. Um, they're using Digitracks transponding, so that um, when the sound will follow your locomotive as you strategically place those uh, those speakers. Um, it's, to the best of my knowledge, it is still not shipping oh. um, as of yet. Um, I have seen the demonstrations that they've had at some of the shows, and I, I think it's a pretty slick system, especially for um, you know the smaller scale guys uh, for a Z scale or, or N scale. You know, you can have speakers under the table yes. and and still get that ambient sound that you're looking for um, out of the locomotives um but it's i think it's a very clever idea you know we
0: could uh we could put a set of phil's electrostatics on that <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, you man. know th- we we we've been planning a movie night down here and and i know that upstairs is going to rumble when we start watching those train <laughs> movies
0: yeah well that i mean that system i mean it's they've price it at about six hundred dollars and it's got six channels and if your layout's big enough to where you need more than six channels and you're you, know, you buy another unit but that just really appeals to me because of the realistic uh, capabilities
1: and it actually um in some ways too uh has an economical side to it um even though the price tag may be six hundred dollars um let's say you have um you know, four or five engines that you want to um, upgrade to sound. And most of these sound decoders run around the $100 range. Yeah. So, just, so just buying, you know, those decoders, you know, you're, you're almost already at the $600. Um, a lot, obviously, a lot, of, um, a lot of folks don't necessarily have transponding in place on their, uh, their layout. But the Digitrax users, um, if you're using um, any of the Digitrax decoders, they've got transponding already built into them. So even your locomotives that are already got DCC decoders in them, you know, you still can use those. So you're not you're not you're not wasting
0: anything. I didn't realize that the dig- the transponder was a part of some of these.
1: Yes, on the Digitrax okay. um, decoders, they have uh, they have that feature available. Um, on there and basically you just need to activate it via a cv and now you'd be able to have what you need to work with the uh, the surround track system okay but un- like i said unfortunately it hasn't hit the street yet
0: well it's been a great great informative uh, podcast if uh you can't help but listen to this and not understand that Gary and Phil and the rest of the crew at TrainTech know what they're doing. Uh, if it's a DCC sound, whether it's HO, whether it's G scale, O gauge, they know what the heck they're doing. So I would totally feel confident when I get to that point of calling these guys in for help or having them do an installers. Really appreciate your guys taking the time because you're on the East Coast and it's uh, what golly 10 o'clock going on 11 back there
1: yeah about a uh, quarter of 11 oh
0: good heavens i would never be able to stay up that late i appreciate you making the sacrifice
1: no we we enjoyed it very much enjoyed it very much and uh, for us it's just another good excuse to talk about what we love okay
0: well again thank you very much
1: sounds great
2: sounds good